Sports. Welcome over to 50 Starting Over. And today I am joined by Darshan Pandoria, a mental health practitioner studied and licensed in the UK, though of Indian descent. And interestingly, he had spent nine months studying under his personal yogi in India and getting acclimated to Eastern ways of mental health practitioning. So he brings a very interesting perspective from both Eastern and Western. I do hope that you enjoy the show. Hey, don't forget to sign up um, at over50startingover.com to get on our email list. Get this to your email box as it happens. But please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Smash that subscribe button at YouTube. And again, we hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Over 50 Starting Over. I'm Barry Edwards and with special guest Darshan Pandoria today, right from the UK. Darshan, I'm not even exactly sure how to introduce you, but I'm going to say that you're a mental health practitioner with a lot of Eastern influence. How is that? Yeah, yeah, perfect. Uh, it's one of those things. It's uh, psychology. It's a uh, uh, wide, wide, wide area. So It's yeah, a very wide uh, we touch on that a lot on this podcast, and uh, you know, there's a lot of a lot of stuff going on right now. I think that they get aggrievedly COVID exacerbated everything as far as uh, increased loneliness. I saw something on your site that you mentioned, uh, and we've we've repeated the statistic on on over fifty starting over before, but something like seventy percent of girls, teenage girls, have an increase in self harm, and. Uh, there's so much there. I think that's a lot of social media. I think that, of course, uh, COVID exacerbated that as well. But, you know, we want to talk on some real-world things that, you know, apply to us over 50. You talk about anxiety on your website. Uh, there's something I want to ask you right now. I see a part of your website. The elephant chain syndrome, the story of the elephant chain. What is the story of the elephant chain? Elephant chain, yeah, this is uh, essentially what happens with uh, training. If, uh, mm. if your memory is that sharp, as a, uh, sharp as an elephant, essentially, you're going to remember things like that is the way it is going forward. So uh, if you start from a young age, if you start remembering things in a certain way, and it just stays in your memory as is. It doesn't mm. get tampered with, it just stays in your memory as is. Now, elephants, they lock down with heavy chains at a young age. As soon as they grow older, that chain, all it needs to be replaced by is a rope, a thin yeah, rope. I've heard so I, was, this. I was in South India, there's just a rope over an elephant, and there's a little stick with a tiny hook on it. Just mm. by that, they can control an elephant. Now, elephant's the most powerful being ever. <laughs> mm. All it took to control it is the mind remembering something from a young age. Well, uh, it's the classic conditioning, right? It was conditioned at a very young age. so It's conditioning, but this is this is a one-go type of conditioning. So uh, a lot of, uh, we could say conditioning is a lot of repetition, essentially. Mm. That could also be said. But with humans, there's, there's a lot of things that just crept in in one, one moment, essentially. They could have just, uh, they could have just seen one of the parents shouting at maybe the delivery person. Just these little one moments, uh, that's, that could chain you for life, essentially. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it's one of those things, uh, when, you, when you look at memory, uh, why are you remembering what you are remembering? So that's why I always, uh, I'm always just uh, asking the why 
for the reason. So someone right. will tell me a reason. Um, yeah, okay, we know the reason. Uh, what's the reason for the reason now? Okay, okay. I know that when you say if you if you remember something in a certain way that's perhaps traumatic, it's uh, you could call that PTSD. It'll be something that will stick with you and shape the way that you behave for maybe the rest of your life. Oh, so yeah. Well, what do you reckon your take on uh, PTSD is? Uh, it's, What's uh, my take on it? Yeah, it's a tough it's one. A, I've talked to a lot of different guests about this. As a matter of fact, I have a friend that's a filmmaker, a documentarian in California, Eric Christensen. Uh, we have a couple of really fantastic interviews on Over 50 Starting Over, which, by the way, guys, you can see all of them at over50startingover.com. And uh, so he explores PTSD, the effects of it, people coming back from war and trying to find themselves again. And I don't know, it's really fascinating. I am certainly no expert on it whatsoever. But there's little things that I, I've learned over my life, like we've had this increase in uh Fourth of July, our Independence Day, more and more people. Um, we're, I, I live in an urban area, a pretty urban area, and more and more people are setting off fireworks on their own. And, well, I know somebody that uh, served in Afghanistan. Ah, it might have been Iraq. No, I don't remember. She told me she has PTSD, and it's horrifying. Now, I've always had dogs, and it's horrible for these dogs listening to for a large part of July, these fireworks going off, these explosions going off. But I never thought about people with PTSD. I mean, that's Fair real enough. stuff right there. Yeah, yeah. Now, that's uh, this is what it is. So we've got the bigger title where people know the event, where they know what's actually affecting them. So that's, let's just say, that's the more extreme uh, level on this. Now, if you just step it down in, in, uh, in weight, essentially, uh, we could say... Everything we're doing is a form of reaction. So every mm. time we're thinking, we're always in a reactive state. So you've got the traumatic states, and you've also got your day-to-day -day reactive states. So okay. uh, yeah, when uh, when we start questioning them, it starts uh, starts boggling uh, boggling our minds. Like, why do we do what we do just for the just even the little things? So uh, right. that's that's what got me into psychology. I had someone that questioned it out of me. He was a yogi. He was. Uh, at the time, he was probably 60 years old, uh, but oh, he, I used to sit with him for hours, just hours and hours, and he, I would question him thinking, I'm right to question him, but then he would question me to say, why do you think you're right to question me when you haven't even questioned yourself? And uh, that, <laughs> yeah, I, it's, uh, it was, I was just a kid in front of him, to be honest. I, uh, I, well, let's talk about more about that, because I'm interested. You've mentioned him on uh, at least one of your videos that yeah. I watched, and you have some beautiful videos on your website, which is deeppsych.com, uh, and that's deep, P-S-Y-C.com, and then go to the video section. So just beautiful videos, you in the Himalayas. Um, would you call that a retreat? How did this get started? How did you first meet this yogi? Oh, so, yeah, I was, uh, uh, 2010, I was in college. So uh, I had a bit of a life transformation when I was 16. So hmm. uh, I come from a background of a few family issues, and then it led me to have a lot of anger in me. That led me to do, uh, hang around with those type of people that gave me adrenaline. Then slowly but surely, a temple opened up down the road from my house. Started going there, got involved with the community, and uh, it was a thing within Indian culture to go into IT, engineering uh, right. subjects like that. 
and uh, I went to work experience in IT, hated it, and just so happened that there was a big festival in India happening that year. So that's when I went out there, a big marble temple opening, and uh, that's when I got introduced to this yogi. Uh, he happens to know my family from from when my dad was 10 and then disconnected. And should, I'm sorry, I should sure. mention, you are of Indian descent, but yeah. you yourself grew up in the UK, correct? UK, yeah. Yeah, born and bred UK. So your parents came over here? Right, yeah, over so, yeah, so it would have been around 10 years before I was born. Uh, they would have come over and, yeah, so it's uh, in terms of uh, the, my upbringing, I was always taught that it's uh, a, it's near for when it's near. So, you know, if you've got a family occasion, you end up, you turn, you turn on your Indian, basically. And then you go back to being, <laughs> being non-Indian. So, <laughs> that type of thing. So then, we were never taught the value of what it was like for maybe our past generations growing up. So, mm. all my past generations, we used to rely on the local temples, local communities to get our teachings, to get our morals, essentially. And... A lot of our health used to come from them as well, so a lot of health teachings, because there wasn't doctors, pharmacists, this, this and that back then. It was all just the community used to know what used to work for people, take them, know type of plant medicine. And uh, as, soon as, as soon as I started uh, connecting a few dots, uh, I said, okay, instead of IT, I want to go down the line of psychology. Mm. I got talking to who I now see as my psychology trainer, he's a yogi in India. I mm. uh, got talking to him then he said go back to uni then come back and I'll, we'll do a full training uh, so I've done five years of uni and then when I was on the way back in uni I had in my head I'm going to go to India for a year going to go to India for a year after this after my uni's done going to go to India for a year <laughs> so the uh, uh, plan was to go to India for a year but only three months into it I had to come back to the UK because my sister was getting married so then it's still in my head that I want to go for a year so mm. I've done a three months again three months again and then another three months again that type of thing so mm. I ended up to a year but just yeah. split up but my training training in India it was it was, uh, it was it was everything that I needed to be honest because I'd studied the UK I studied got my degree in psychology I knew what areas that I wanted to know more about and I had certain individuals that I could just ask them everything, compare the theories, understand more, and apply it to myself. Mm -hmm. uh, as soon as it comes to uni, we're learning about how it applies to everyone else, but when it comes to applying it to yourself, it's, uh, it's hard, to be honest. It's, uh, it's right. eye-opening. And then you start realizing how much... I've, I, I used to think I'm just a normal guy. <laughs> and mm -hmm. then, then you start realizing I've got all of this inside of me. You say, oh, where did it... <laughs> How did that? How did all that get me? That now, did you start realizing this through meditation when you actually went to India and started studying? So, me myself, I've never, I've, I've always struggled with meditation. To be honest, so uh, mm. even my, even my trainers, they used to say you're more of an outward, outward type of guy. Your energy is just pushing out. Uh, but my experiences of learning how I operate on the outside, that's when I started questioning it. That's when I learned a lot about myself. In terms of meditation, uh, my, my form of meditation is a bit more when there's a crowd or singing and chanting and I'll just be in that crowd, I'll be playing my drum or I'll be chanting with everyone and that's when mm. I'll zone in and that's when I gain, my, that's when I gain most of my deep meditative experiences. But, okay. Yeah, go for it. 
Your, your formal training in university, uh, did you find that to be, like, I don't know how that would compare to the United States training. I imagine it would be very similar, yeah. very similar, like really westernized, very different yeah. from yeah. the eastern. Is that correct? Exactly. So if I was just to put it out there, the difference between western psychology and eastern psychology. Now, this is a topic that no one talks about in the west. Now, in the east, in India, in the Chinese, uh, Shaolin monks, you've got uh, the martial arts, you've got uh, you've got the yoga, uh, yoga side of things, the Buddhist monks. That's all the Eastern psychology. Mm -hmm. Now, what they do, Eastern psychology is based on looking at what's going on and saying that's what's going on. Now, Western psychology is looking at testing people and then saying this is what's going on. So after you've tested certain individuals, uh, you've rounded up a conclusion to say this is what's going on in the world. Now, Eastern psychology is literally you look inside, close your eyes, what's going on? Are you thinking about past, present, future? Are you thinking about in a worrying state, anger? Uh, are you overly attached to certain things? If you just have a quick introspect, you've kind of figured out your psychology. But if you never do this, you never actually know what's your process of thinking. So every time you're trying to do something, you're kind of a step behind. You're, ch you're chasing other people's technique after. So hmm. that's what I was. I, as soon as I got to India, my trainer, he's, he told me, you're going to have to forget everything you know. <laughs> and then yeah. you're going to know everything. <laughs> so I was, uh, it was confusing, but yeah, well, it's, it uh, it's, a, it's a process. It's, uh, it's, it's, well, I got to tell you, you got me a little confused because, as, as you say, you get to know how you think. And there are times when I think that I do know how I think, but then I'm, as I'm listening to you unfold this story, it's like, do I really know how it's, I think? Uh, it's, uh, there's, uh, you know, uh, the Tony Robbins and you've got mm -hmm. all the motivational speakers. Mm -hmm. uh, what they've done, essentially, they, uh, they know a lot of these problems are out there in, the, in society mm -hmm. to say depression's on the rise, anxiety's on the rise. So they've got they've got a set structure on how on how to handle those those issues, essentially. Now, in in Eastern psychology, everyone we can't I can't tell you in Eastern psychology that this is where you need to get to, because if if I tell you that everything that you do, you're just going to be looking for that one piece. Yeah, you're just going to be looking for that fix or that mm -hmm. little that little strengthening point. So I had to get that out of my head that. Okay, I'm doing all this psychology work, but I don't know where it's going. As soon as I do that, I'm open to anything and everything. So it's literally whatever comes my way. I could talk. To, I could talk to someone about it, but yeah. I can't just say I just want more of this because everything along the side, you start missing it. Now I think uh, what you're saying is instead of looking for a destination that you're aiming yeah. for, you were just in, embarking on the journey and seeing where the journey takes you. Is exactly. That yeah. 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 So that's that's exactly it. So now, if you think about Western psychology, you're taught to have a hypothesis first. Yes. <laughs> then you're gonna you're gonna get the whole theory written up, and you're gonna you're gonna go towards that. So it's uh, like I said, it's two different worlds after. So I'm. Uh, I'm, I'm venturing into the whole Eastern psychology. I'm venturing into, okay, what are the theories here? And uh, I'm, I'm just trying to relate that back to something that I think I could prove. Mm. As, as soon right. as I snapped out of that, then, then the bigger questions started coming. Then I, could start, then I could start diving into question after question. 
and uh, to be honest, uh, the guys in the east they're, they're pretty intense people. So uh, <laughs> um, uh, the, the timings, the discipline on the body, the simplicity in the mind—it's uh, it's a whole—it's it's really really different to anything that I've seen. You were uh, all right. Another technical difficulty there, but uh, Darshan, we were talking about uh, your yogi. In the amount of self-discipline that uh, they went through back then, can you explain a little bit of that? Yeah, so it's uh, in terms of what am I looking out for? So I used to, uh, I used to know a lot about the yogis. They wake up before two a.m. They uh, they eat they eat in a very disciplined way. Uh, they don't uh, they don't really go outside the boundaries of the temple. Uh, that type of thing, and then they do a lot of reading, a lot of memorizing stuff, and uh, they always, literally, uh, always engaged in psych. So I knew about that, but as soon as uh, what happens, I, I get a prep talk when I go there. Uh, in that prep talk, I was told you understand the value of someone <coughs> only five percent just by hearing about them. The rest of the ninety-five percent, you understand their value once you try to do some of that stuff yourself. Oh. So. As soon as I tried to do some of this stuff, that's when I started realizing, okay, these these individuals, the level which they're at. Yeah. So, uh, just a simple one is, uh, I started waking up at 3 o'clock every day whilst I was there. You go to sleep around 10, 30, 11, wake up at 3, get your whole day going. I was okay to wake up, but the level to which staying awake was possible for me, that's, that's something only I would know. It's... Uh, these individuals, the yogis, they're able to read perfectly fine, they're able to just be on their own perfectly fine all day long, off little sleep. And people like me, I would be, as soon as it comes to reading, I'll fall asleep. As soon as it, uh, we sit in a car and we're going somewhere, I'll fall asleep. But <laughs> I asked the yogi, I was like, okay, how comes uh, you're not falling asleep every time you get in a car? There's nothing to do. He just told me, yeah, when it's time to sleep, I'll sleep, but it's not time to sleep right now. So it's uh, it's just it's just little things. I'm I'm just picking up to say he's got himself set to say at this time this is what I do. So this is what I do, and uh, his body is configured to how he his mind tells him to be essentially. Hmm. And uh, go for it. Well, they certainly live much more simplified lives, and there's something to be said for that. I mean, we're pushed. Our minds are pushed and pulled all over the place, and we do it to ourselves. We could live simpler lives if we. <laughs> Put our heads to it, you know. Oh, I, I would. Uh, it's one of those. Uh, it's a version of simplicity, though. So a yogi, everyone goes to him with their issues. So uh, I would go to him to say I'm struggling with this, or I would go to him to say my wife's stressing me out, or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. He's hearing everyone's problems, yet he's able to sleep and switch. Just sleep. Mm. We. Technically, we don't really have that many problems, yeah. But we've made our problems that big, and no. we only deal with our own issues, yeah. Uh, Imagine uh, the yogi gives someone advice; it doesn't work for them, or saying, or, or even if it does work for them, they could go back to the yogi, they could praise him, or they could say something bad to him. The stress starts to go on the yogi essentially. Now, no. someone like him, he could have thousands of people coming to him for advice. Uh, he could have people like me. I could, I could go into another podcast and say bad things about him after <laughs> that type of thing. Or the stress right. is there, but it's a way of managing the mind. It's so, it's so genius. Is uh, I can't, uh, like I said, it's a mastery in itself. But 
if you I'm in psychology as well it's if I get a if I get a certain client it's a task of itself to not get it affect you it's uh, I could talk about it not affecting me but to actually have zero effect on you that's that's a level of mastery uh, you know there's a, a saying that I'll screw up a little bit but you'll get the gist of it is that every individual's most traumatic experience is their most traumatic experience and what I mean by that is, today we've been very soft on our kids. And, uh, and so we're seeing that play out where so, they can handle so little trauma. So now the opposite, I'm, I'm using this example to, uh, your yogi would take on so much of this trauma that he's rather callous to it, if, if callous is the right word. But his mind is trained. I don't know if you know, uh, uh, have you heard about the divorce rates? Uh, which which country has the lowest divorce rate? Ever well, I would think one? it would be the U.S. at 60%. Oh, no, that's uh, as in, that's the highest divorce rate. What's the... Oh, oh you uh, said the lowest. World, the lowest, yeah. So what, oh, what do you no, I would, I'd say it's an Asian country for sure. Oh, so yeah, India, India topped it. Uh, I think it was for, for a population of a billion to have the lowest divorce rate. It was uh, it's pretty crazy. That now, is. Uh, what we see is uh, if you go if you go through just a bit of history, hardship used to bring families together. Yes. Century. And because of hardship, you also used to stick by principles through because you used to think principles were your safety. Now, I totally agree with this. Yes. And it's uh, that was that was that was generations at a time. Now, we had to be like a team in order to survive as a family. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, and if you're farming, then you wanted as many kids as possible. So you had your own little yeah. workforce there, you know. But it's, yeah. uh, it's even that. So this whole concept of trauma, there was, uh, there was a lot of togetherness to handle it. Now, we've promoted the concept of individuality to such an extent that even your problems are handled on an individual level now. So... Uh, that whole that whole team aspect. So whoever is stronger right now, mentally, they're stronger because they've done a lot of work on this topic. Yeah. Uh, you don't. You know, it's harder to find just naturally more resilient people just uh, just from day to day education and you know, just get a job and you're you're just as resilient. Right now, a lot of trainings having to go into being resilient. But back in the days, resilience they also. When you're doing stuff together, you also become as resilient as the other person. So you start bouncing off people's strength. And uh, the area that I'm from in India, we got hit by an earthquake in 2001. Uh, the recovery rate on that earthquake, it's, uh, uh, I don't know how to put it in stats, but it was really fast. The way they recovered, the way they built up the whole community, all the international support uh, from people from that area, that type of thing, it's uh, uh, you can tell that's thanks to the mindset of the generation before that, the resilience in that mindset, that togetherness, and uh, it starts sh it starts shining up. Now, when it comes to mental illnesses, fair enough, uh, we could say there might have or there might not have been as many before, but this togetherness concept, uh, it's the best. It's it's a big medicine, but it takes it takes a big change in our lifestyle to actually work together with other people. That's that's. Uh, if I just give an example, yogis, they're all educated, they all come from, a lot of them have degrees from before, then they're going to live a life of a yogi in India, and they've got to live 200 to 500 of them, got to live together in harmony, type of thing. Right. So, 
uh, no matter what people's styles are, they're all managing to live together in harmony. That's uh, uh, even that. Uh, it's 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 different. But uh, in the army, you can see all these guys. They're all living together in harmony, single purpose. Yeah. It's uh, all them all them traits. It's uh, imagine we only well, need to live five people family together. It's not you know to extrapolate that a bit is uh, we talk a bit about this on the podcast. I'm not a religious person myself, but I'm open-minded to any and all of it. Anything that can benefit me and I can learn from, I am very open to. And my typical co-host, Merle Garrison, is a born-again Christian. So we talk about this stuff a lot. And and I also get this from other podcasts. Um, Jordan Peterson will talk about uh, how... What a gap this anti-religious movement has left our society. And to your point, when you have a community of people that you're sharing like values and feelings uh, and the sense of community and camaraderie, it's odd. And you're not on your own. That's the huge thing. You're not alone. You, oh, so you check got this, a team behind uh, you. Know, you. It's before massive. the times of phones. Pardon me? Uh, just uh, you know the time before the time of phones and TVs. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, just a simple example in India, we've got. Yes, to say this, if Hinduism is the biggest religion in India, even within Hinduism, there's so many different types of Hinduism, but yet everyone was able to live together in in whatever every harmony it was. It's uh, I'm saying when communication came into came into the picture. Yeah. We started picking up different mindsets and then trying to implement them within within our team, essentially. So if it's yeah. your family and your extended family, now you've got more leakage coming in from outside thanks to whatever communications flowing into your family. Now, your family started living for the showcasing of other people. Oh, so there you go. This is uh, it's, Narcissism. It was a trend, essentially. So uh, that trend, we saw it happen over the last 30 years in India. It might have been a bit longer in uh, Western countries, but over the last 30 years, we've seen the whole showcase model infiltrate all these families. Right. Now, the showcase model—it's uh, uh, that's that's why everyone's blaming social media at the moment. But really, it started quite a while back. Uh, so, even in Hinduism, uh, uh, certain parts of Hindus are trying to showcase themselves as bigger than other parts of other mm. sectors of Hinduism. So it could be a case in Christianity as well. Certain churches try to outdo other churches, uh, whichever way it, it was. But that never used to be a thing up to a certain point. That's what we're saying. Right. Uh, and in that trend, it's just gone bigger and bigger, and now it's on a whole social well, media level. It was an inevitable thing to happen here in uh, America. Well, I should say America. I should say the world, because it started. It originated at the Vatican. And with yeah. the Catholic Church, the atrocities of the Catholic Church. And I said uh, on this podcast several times is, I think if they wanted to restore any kind of trust and faith, that they should get a lot more vocal about the atrocities that were committed because I just, I don't think that there are bigger atrocities than taking something that's so sacred and turn it into something so evil. And so they should be very vocal about this is exactly what can happen with any religion because we're fallen people and you're being taught your religion by a fallen person. So always be skeptical, always be aware. If they started with that premise every day, then I think they could rebuild trust. 
It's uh, now it's a trend to be anti-religious. It's so cool to be anti-religious, <laughs> and it leaves you alone. Yeah, it's uh, it's become a religion in itself to be anti-religious. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Oh, it's a. Uh, uh, in terms of, uh, I've always been. Uh, I was essentially. I I was a community boy before I became a religious boy, essentially. So, uh, being part of the community, finding out the value of just having other people by your side, uh, doing things with other people, hosting events, this, this, and that, and then. Uh, as religion comes into it, you start learning principles uh, of of uh, of humanity. You start learning principles mm -hmm. of whatever they say about the mind, this, this, and that. And uh, this generation, we're heavily skeptical, so we've got a whole line of questions. Now, me as a psychologist, I was always just taught question, 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 and I had to think I was really good at questioning. Mm. That was until I went to India. So, ah. Uh, uh. uh, so there's certain words you just never use. You're never use. You're never allowed to use the word why. So huh. instead of the word why, you use the word what. So what will get you a specific answer? Why will just get you uh, something to wash it off to lead you to another why. So the people sure. that keep asking why, 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 it'll just keep going. But if you find out what, and what's the reason behind that, so you get your specifics. Hmm. And uh, if you ever want to ask how, you can only ask about how looking backwards. Looking forward, you still have to say what. So, uh, if I want to say how how I managed to do my degree, if I was to say the word how at the start of my degree, I wouldn't be able to actually do my degree. You will start you will start doing it in a set way. You will end up doing it too specific, or you might not be open to the experiences that come. All of that. Same thing with meditation. Same thing with realization. If we start learning how to ask the right questions about what we want to do that starts getting you a fast track, essentially. So, uh, first things first, I had to learn the art of questioning. So, yeah, I had to... Uh, uh, what is to your religion? Off. So, yeah, uh, there's... Uh, I'm mainstream Hindu. So, there's a... Uh, uh, we class it as Sanat and Dharma. So, it's... Uh, we have four main scriptures. They were the Veds. And from that, uh, interpretations were made. And whichever interpretation you want to follow, that's up to you. Mm, okay, okay. And I studied uh, Buddhism quite a bit in my mid to late 20s, long time okay. ago. Uh, yeah. But it made, because I was looking for what made sense to me, and it made a lot of sense to me. What is the difference between Buddhism and Hinduism? So the, in terms of uh, the differences come from uh, uh, the way you... The, essentially the way you acknowledge certain principles. So all the principles, they're going to be the same. So we're, we're all, we all believe in one God. We all believe uh, that that God is inside of us. And whichever route that you want to take to that one God inside of you, that's going to be all the differences. So mm. Buddhism uh, is a heavy culture about calming down the mind and going, going inwards. And then there's, uh, if you know a bit about the Hare Krishna movement, uh, it was Krishna. I don't know much about it. Uh, Krishna, he done a whole preaching during a war. So that war was to teach us that life is actually, uh, you're out there on the battlefield. Mm. But if you still want to have a realization whilst you're on the battlefield, that's, that's that route, essentially. And the Buddhist movement, it's no matter how rich you are, how wealthy you are, to stay centered mm -hmm. as yourself, that's that route. So everyone's route is going to be different. Destination is going to be the same. 
Okay. Dao Se Ching, and I know that there's a, many different ways to pronounce it, and it depends on the, I think the area uh, yeah. that you're from. So excuse me, I'm sure I just offended a lot of people that are better about it to me. I read that book, the tra- translation of that book, many times over all those years ago, and I just found that to be fascinating. How old is, do you, do you know how old that book is, like 3,000, 4,000 years old or something, oh, writings? Yeah, yeah, it, would add t- up. Yeah, would, would imagine so. Yeah, it uh, it's just a fascinating collection of uh, wisdom. So, fair enough. What's your What's your take on uh, so uh, in terms of your venture into uh, uh, spirituality as such? Oh boy! Oh boy! Oh boy! What is my take on spirituality? Yeah. It is fluid. I'm always trying to find more of the answer to it. Darshan, I got to tell you, for a large part today, I'm believing more and more we're in the matrix. That it's uh, a, a virtual reality. If you look at the video games that are out there right now, look, when I was a kid, we started out with Pong. It was just a, a blip on a screen, and we were mesmerized by it. We've been just absolutely mesmerized by technology, no matter how infantile it was. And now we have games that are truly lifelike, virtual worlds. So imagine where we can be in another 10 to 20 years with it. And, and if you can imagine us really given, being given the choice of, hey, do you want to be out here in this world or do you want to be in this, this world where you can do anything that you want? Um, a lot of us are going to take that green pill or red pill or whatever that is. Uh, so we didn't, I even think, I've had this conversation with my podcast host, the born-again Christian. I wonder if the Bible is actually trying to tell us about all of this uh, virtual world, this matrix, but in a language that we could only understand back then. We didn't have the language for this until like 30 years ago. 30 years ago. We, We couldn't fathom really this matrix virtual world and now all of a sudden if you know a little bit about it you see the possibilities for sure so there's that um but now there's that's so much a, that's more. a big thing yeah it's uh, there's a spiritual world and a material world <laughs> so that's uh, yeah that's, so who's uh, your god is it a programmer or is it god in a christian sense uh, you know i don't know but i've i've always liked the Buddhist and Hindu approach that seemed really super down to earth and useful. It just taught you how to live your life today. It seems to me. And, no, and it's, to uh, it's uh, there's, there's a real, lot of emphasis on state. So uh, being in a spiritual state, being a material state, that type of yeah. thing is uh, state is uh, it's a big area of study. Oh, okay. what state are you in in the morning? What state are you in at work? What state are you in when you come home? Uh, that type that's, of thing can that's interesting. Can, can someone just tell you a few words and your state is gone? What's yes. to say? What's to say your natural state was even a good state? If someone could just tell you something and your state flips, if someone's driving too slow in front of you and you got a, if you got adjustable state, what's to say uh, you know you've got a life that's in your control? If your state is always manipulated by external factors. Who yeah. is actually in control of your state? So that who is what we class as spirituality now. To say, right. do you know 
who that controlling spirit is, how connected are you with that, uh, is that even alive in you, or is that just so spread to external influences that, okay, uh, the, the clouds being out this morning, it just means your state is based on the clouds now. So uh, your state is basically uh, what we class as spiritual spirituality, that whole study of the state, the whole maintaining of the state, and uh, knowing uh, knowing what deeper state even looks like, that type right. of thing. You, uh, you have a video on your website, The Mental Game, Free Yourself from the Impact of Others. So you're talking uh, very much along those lines right here, right now. I wanted to see if I could just pull up a tiny bit of it. I, I'd like people to see the quality of the of the uh, processing that you did here. Now, you said you did this all with a phone. I believe it. Phones are so good today. Their cameras are, are great. But you also you did some really nice editing in these Himalayan videos. I mean, you, you took some, some care with it for sure. <laughs> yeah, did you I do that? I was in the in my minibus editing from one one place to the other. So ah, I don't get it. I've got wow. this thing that, yeah, go This it. is a whole different. I don't know if I'm going to be able to share on this. I don't know what's going on. It's going to stop. It was a mess. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. But there's a, you got a lot of interesting things on your sites. I mean, I think that you and I could talk about this kind of stuff all day. Like, the top of your blog, the first post, what is this? The topic we don't want to talk about. Are you living with a no-go, a don't-go-there area, an area of conversation and thought which makes you remember pain or causes discomfort? I think most of us know that. You know, Always. something that you remember causes pain or discomfort. So imagine if I was to talk about state and your state not being affected. If you've got something inside of you that's 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 like need to mess up your state. Yeah. Essentially, that's ego. Uh, it's uh, imagine if uh, uh, it's like uh, you've got uh, you're at home, you're on your living, uh, uh, you're in your living room, just on your sofa, but there's. There's someone there with a gun at you all the time. It's uh, you're never actually going to be free. Now yeah. this concept of freedom, I'm a huge fan of. Uh, every every client that I get, uh, we'll work through whatever issue they've got, and the final session is always going to be about freedom. Mm. Have you mastered your state of freedom? Are you free from certain areas? Let's just say if uh, uh, if you're bullied at school, are you free from that memory now? Are you free from all of this? So being Boy, free, I need that freedom. I'm craving that freedom. Tell I'm, me I'm a big fan of freedom, man. It's uh, imagine uh, uh, freedom actually affects your physiology just as much as it affects your mind yeah. as yeah. well. Mm -hmm. uh, it all adds up. Now the free, the pe the people that are free. So just a quick example. Uh, before cars, we used to just walk to the shop like it was nothing and take all the bags and walk back home. Now because we know about the car, yeah. Me going to the shop, picking up my bags, and walking back home feels that pain. Yeah? Mm. Before, it just used to be part of life. That right, was right. your mind. That's just a free mind. Your mind is just free. doesn't even think that it's got tension. It could just do everything that it does and not accumulate pain. As soon as your mind is accumulating pain for anything, yeah, that's, that's where uh, put the effort into it. Uh, yes, yes, get that. Just get that freed up, otherwise uh, you're going to start accumulating pain from loads of little things in your day, even the people at home, 
every little thing will start just adding up painfully. Yeah. And what happens to your life after? So it's uh, yeah, it's uh, that's that's why it is it is the topic that it is. It's as big of a topic as as we could get. You know, I think it was. Do you know who Joe Dispenza is? Nah, he nah, was, um, uh, he's a, a chi- chiropractor, and but he was diagnosed with some life-threatening cancer, and he just studied the mind and put his mind to it and put it in complete remission. All right, so he has become an expert on on this kind of stuff, and the guy is brilliant. And what he does talk about, I like his approach. You know, I totally relate to it. It's always about what state you are in controlling that from the moment you get up in the morning because if you're doing the same routine every day every morning starting out the same way your body conditioned your mind to go back into that same state of anxiety or whatever your discomfort is and then you're going to build on it for the rest of the day so it says when you wake up in the morning don't let the ego grab you first you know you want your 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 true self to be able to go and, and function so as soon as you wake up, get out of bed because those negative thoughts of your ego will take over right away. And, and just making a change in your daily habits and routines will make a big, a big change overall. Exactly. I think it's brilliant uh, stuff. Imagine if, uh, if you start thinking about yourself as something that you could change just generally. You could just, yeah. Oh, I don't uh, – I, 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 I'm haunted I, I by changes. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I'm just uh, – uh, I was just putting an example to say, as soon as you know you could change your state, I could just say, I crashed my car, but I don't want to feel bad about it. So it's up to you. So same thing, I'm ill. I don't want to feel bad about it, or I want to feel a certain way about it, and it's all up to you at the end of the day. Uh, but yeah. getting to that state, that's, uh, that needs to be talked about more, because it's actually doable. Yes. Uh, people are calling themselves experts in this field now. But really, imagine... It's, it should be a necessity to be an Agreed. expert in changing your own state. Uh, yes. so, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's the beauty of podcasts, though, because I've become much more aware. I, I've been an avid podcast listener for about the last six or seven years, yeah. and I've learned so much about this kind of stuff. And, I, I mean, it's just it's long overdue to be yeah, pub, yeah. you know available for public consumption like this so, <laughs> to your point yeah you know yeah, trust uh, the, the plan is to get you get you out to uh, Himalayas one day see uh, see how you like it uh, maybe take you to a yoga retreat uh, oh god i would love that well the yoga man yoga so hard i work out almost every weekday and i i like my workouts i do weight training but i don't go too hard or anything but because i have the um I had the mentality of whatever gets me back the next day. And if I set my goals too high, that's what most people do. They, they get compulsive and then they won't come back. So anyways, but I've done the, the yoga, you know, periodically throughout my life. And I just think it's so hard. No, there's different versions, different kinds. But Yeah, yeah, you're going you're gonna to spark a huge debate on that one. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, so the, I think yoga. The, the, there's an Eastern and Western debate to yoga, though. <laughs> oh, yes, of course you're right. But I've also always said, just my, my opinion, I think everybody over 40, 40 should have to do yoga because it's that good for you, physically and mentally. Oh, I lost you. I can't hear you. Ah, it's that, it's that cable. Yeah. Uh, ah, there we so go. It's, yeah. So it's like... Uh, 
what the West has done to psychology is also done to medicine, is also yes. done to yoga, yes. and uh, it's, uh, it's also done to uh, fame uh, and media. Yeah. Uh, so Agreed. I'm just uh, an example of medicine. In, in India, we, uh, we've got Ayurved, so it's the ancient tradition of uh, basically village medicine, whichever. Uh, the first thing they do is check your heart rate and your diet on a day-to-day -day basis. Then they prescribe you the lifestyle changes. Then yes. they'll give you medicine. So in, in yoga, essentially, we're meant to check your lifestyle, give you the right lifestyle changes, then give you the right yoga moves to do. Nice. So, so if you skip, so in the West, we... We we need to pay. We need we need to charge money for our classes. Yeah. <laughs> but, yep. but in the east, it works on a donation system. So uh, for that, uh, for me to get a donation out of you, I have to make sure I'm getting you that result. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, at the end, you're not going to give me no donation. But right. in the west, I'm paying for the class. If I don't do the homework, I'm still going to carry carry on paying for the class. Yeah. <laughs> that type of thing. Yeah. No, in so, the East, you're going to get really suspicious about that guy that's prescribing all the stuff real quick, yeah, yeah. you know? Oh. And you're like, I'm not getting that much better. No, you're right. There's so much corruption in our in our pharmaceutical industry and in virtually every industry here in the United States. And it's, um, it's weighing on our society for sure. Enough, like, uh, I see another heading of a blog post of yours. Panic attacks. Panic that's attacks, a, that's yeah. a really good symptom, isn't it? Panic attacks. Uh, we started talking about PTSD, but uh, yes. essentially, it used to actually be called panic attacks. It was uh, deep. Uh, uh, there was heavy words associated with it, so yeah. we used to treat it as a heavier issue. Now, because we've just titled it as PTSD now, uh, we've kind of diluted the the word. Essentially, we've kind of started using it for you. For much smaller things, it used to be a term used in an army where a soldier can actually not move anymore. Right. Uh, so we've done this with a lot of mental health labels. We've done it with depression. We've done it with anxiety. Anxiety in 1950, uh, it used to be a machine that used to be able to measure this. And you, uh, they're saying teenagers are now experiencing that level of pain of someone having a panic attack in 1950. Yes. So it's uh, what I'm saying. A lot of these terms have been diluted. Uh, just, just the emphasis of it, or just the the weight of it. Now, what we're really looking at is, what's the small level of panic? What's the big level of panic? It's yeah. Still, uh, still along the same line. If you could nip it at a small level, you 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 kind of you kind of, you kind of stop the whole thing growing. Right. But we don't nip it at a small level. We yeah, right. get big, and now the psychologist, you will come to me, and then I'll. I'll be like, why didn't you come five years earlier? Uh, five years earlier, we could have could have been sorted. <laughs> you could have saved yourself all the damage you've done to your family, this, this, and that, for something that could have been sorted five years ago. Right. Yeah, Jordan Peterson uh, talks pretty eloquently about that and says how, if it's a phobia, such as a phobia is a good example, and how you just take the smallest, most measured of incremental steps towards exposure to that, to that problem, to that anxiety, and he says, and if it's coupled with emotion, that very quickly you get jumps in bravery. And not only in just that particular anxiety, but a surrounding family of those kinds of things. And a, so it's really important. Yeah. 
to deal if, with it five years prior rather than what we do is helicopter parent around that. Oh, my God, they're feeling anxious. Let's stop this, you know, stop that anxiety. And So what is your take on the, the growth of the rise of the mental health issues? What's the, <sighs> the, should we, is it throw the we dig at society? You know what it is? It, it, I heard it said best like this. Hard times create hard men. Hard men create soft times. Soft times create soft men. Soft men create hard times. And that's where we're at is that we, we people think that we're at, 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 the end of, at the end of days now, that the world is just a horrible place. Truth of the matter is it's never been a better place ever. And it's always on that trajectory. And I heard the statistic that 177,000 people are pulled out of poverty in this world every day because of just the wealth that we continue to uh, increase across all of our previously uh, not so developed countries. So this is a wonderful thing if we could see it from that angle, but, but we don't. There's so many things. And um, although I believe in capitalism so much that it, it is the catalyst that's pulling everybody out of uh, poverty, it also has that other side effect of uh, a capitalist society. People find ways to use that to make a buck off of it. And I think our whole, the interconnectedness of us with the internet, we're still in an infancy phase, an adolescent phase. Our, our society hasn't grown up to it yet. I think it's started to. And so we've become all narcissistic and, as you said, separate. We've just separated ourselves as individuals from it rather than uh, true groups. And, and I don't mean this group identity of the left versus the right. That's horrible as well. That's just more, more violence. That I think there's an addiction to hatred. Donald Trump, oh, it's proved that. Everybody is just absolutely addicted to that hatred. And I think they miss him. Um, so all of those things coming together that creates a lot of anxiety and mental health, in my opinion. But I'm not, I'm not qualified the way you are to speak eloquently on it. It's just I just do a whole mishmash of stuff against the wall there. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, everyone's everyone's got their everyone's got their takes. So my my one was the support structures that used to be there aren't there anymore. That type of thing, the well, family sure. support structure, uh, community support structure. You got uh, whether you had religion, uh, you had some sort of philosophy backing backing you. Yeah, you know, the support structures were I gone. Totally agree. Uh, your take is the the whole toughening up, uh, toughening up. Essentially, uh, a lot of toughening up can be do, can be done just from educating people the right way. Now, the access to this, there's a big debate on whether to take on Eastern philosophies to use in the West to help toughen up people. I I'm sorry. Believe. One Go second. Yeah. Charlie, get down. He's going to get both of us in trouble. He just jumped on the couch. All right. I, I'm sorry. That was uh, no, no, we're in the middle of some important stuff. Please. No, uh, so uh, I was saying that uh, there's a lot of theories that we can educate ourselves on, which will save us a lot of headache in life. But... Uh, because of the way our education system is set up, we're not ready to adopt a lot of these theories either. Mm -hmm. uh, especially from the East, even if uh, breathing only recently came in to uh, to the mass market, essentially breathing yes. techniques. Now in India, this has been this has been day one principles. We learn this kids Can't in school; they do this before before they start. But just the art of breathing, 
just came contemplating death is are you referring to contemplating death no no just uh, breathing just uh, being able to uh, deep breathe in deep breathe out oh breathing uh, i thought you said grieving I'm oh sorry. sorry yeah nah, no so, breathing for sure so yeah, yeah so breath work it's uh, it's become an industry only recently but yes uh, like i said there's plenty more from the east <laughs> we need to we need to get out and uh, it was just it just adds that that level of uh, that it's like a savior in itself certain theories can save you crazy yes. amount of hassle now in totally. terms of yoga there's uh, if you put it simply there's there's pressure points on the body that i know i could just press on someone and we could find out if they've got anxiety issues when they had anxiety issues and if they uh, uh, if they maybe got the opposite if they're too relaxed that type of thing uh, in in the in the west we treat it as a handshake you could tell a lot about a person based on their handshake same no. thing in the east we've got certain points we can see from the face see certain things on the hands certain points as well that you just press see how tough it is there's loads of certain things that actually identify the health of a person maybe those theories might come over to the west one day but there's yeah, loads hope. of barriers to accepting all of this so no, totally it's, agree. and our education system is not it, you alluded to it it's not ripe for it it's kind of anti anti yeah. all of that it's it's yeah. i don't know yeah. it's too controlling it's really uh it's really kind of uh, disintegrated for a large part um what i want to ask you what kind of practice what is your practice like i saw something about doing mini sessions uh but do you mostly do one-on-one -on -one kind of clinical uh, uh, so yeah the, the story goes uh 2020 i was setting out to start events to start doing uh and then uh, COVID. yeah so i yeah. had it all i had my event white page and said yeah i'm gonna do start finding venues this this and that and i want to get people together and start doing events and workshops and uh yeah nice. i died with covid and then so i just went back to doing one-to-ones and covid was yeah. a big heavy season for me so Early i didn't get as much time for marketing and making videos after but i do need to get get back to it essentially mm -hmm. but it's uh yeah like i said it's uh the one-to-ones in terms of what i do one-to-ones no one's none, no client of mine has ever needed more than four sessions with me no matter how how in the ditches they've come from so it's uh my my process is directly to the mind uh they could be talking about their life in any way possible whatever the situation is all i'm looking for is their mind how it's working and how i'm going to get it to work in the best way possible <laughs> so uh I'll, I'll be taking another notes uh know exactly what to do i'll put them on a uh i, I change up their watch list so whatever they're watching uh whoever <laughs> they're following on instagram all of that change all that up so by the next time they're able to accept a lot of what i'm saying and then what i'm saying is I do the five patterns check. So if uh, if in the life I've noticed a pattern recur more than five times, that's I'll tell them this is a pattern that I'm seeing. We need to use that pattern so it works for you rather than against you. Mm -hmm. So I my first ever client, she the the main pattern is she doesn't like to be told what to do. That's just a pattern. Yeah. I could so my job is to tell her that and to say this is setting you. Now, do you want to change it or do you want to use it to get your life back in order? That type of thing. So then uh, she would have to write me a list of 50 ways she could use that pattern to get her life back into order. Mm. For her to even think of five is going to be a hard task. Yes. For her to get to 50 is going to be dead set in her head. This is mm. how I'm doing it. Mm. So 
it's uh, and she was a homeless person uh, because she got kicked out of family, uh, plenty of miscarriages, this, this, and that in life. You could, if I just looked at the situation, I would have been a stuck psychologist. I, I would have been worried about how I'm going to sort this out, this, this, and that. All I looked at is do the patterns check and just know this has to start working for her. Otherwise, if she wants to go down the route of changing a pattern, that's that's a task in itself. That's that's something I went down. So I know how hard it was for me uh, mm. to change patterns. So I'm not going to expect everyone to do it. If they do want to do that, that's when you go down a bit, bit of a long training process. But if you just want to get your life back into order, get it back to a normal state, this is this is why you come to me essentially. Do you believe in that adage that uh, you know, thinking is a habit, 21 days to break a habit, and so you look at it like that? Oh, uh, wait, uh, I'm, I'm trained in hypnotism as well, so uh, oh, really? trained, with, uh, trained with Paul McKenna. These, these guys are not, they're not big fans of that theory, to be honest. We, we, we change it within an hour. I've, uh, I've had people that smoke their whole life, we just change it within an hour. Yeah, you just oh, go, my God. Let's just go straight in. Uh, that's the power of... Uh, the hypnotist. Uh, That's cool. Yeah. I interviewed a hypnotist just a couple months ago, John Moyer. That's a good interview. You would yeah, like yeah. it. Yeah. So it's uh, like I said, this is uh, the world of mental health is huge. It's just not being told out there. Otherwise, uh, a lot of this stuff is common knowledge as well. So uh, let's just say procrastination has become a huge thing. And uh, in in the psychology field, we're thinking what there's nothing there's nothing hard about sorting out for that procrastination. That's a that's a quick thing. You know, uh, a simple one I was told, uh, if you're procrastinating, you're not going to procrastinate going to the toilet. So, you just go to the toilet and you do something after that. <laughs> that's healthy. You're not going to well, hold back. The only trick I know is to break things down into super small steps and do that one small, small, small thing. Yeah, it's, uh, the momentum is the snowball effect after. So, right. the snowball effect is a good one. Uh, to be honest, if, I, if we wanted to get a list of how to sort out every mental health issue, uh, the common mental health issues, the the non the non neurological ones, we could probably find theories after theories, and all of them they they pretty much do work. So it's it's the awareness I think that was the main issue. So people they're just not aware of uh, what mental health is. Oh, I asked you, uh, does anxiety cause constipation? Oh, so anxiety constipation? Yeah, this is a uh, let me uh, let me try this with you, uh, see if it works. It's something that was done with me. Now, what is the first part of the body you protect when you're in danger? Uh, your balls? <laughs> nah, nah, I wouldn't say that. So, I, I didn't uh, even open this up. <laughs> uh, let me take a look. That's what I would think. Uh, yeah, just keep going. Keep guessing. Let me uh, just see how long it takes. Well, to get I would it. say then, I mean, it depends on where the danger is coming from, but I'd kind of think your face, your head. Yeah, face... Uh, Face doesn't come in as first either. It's uh, naturally which one, which would be the first. Uh, well, I so, guess uh, uh, this is pointing to the stomach. Yeah. So it's. Uh, really? I was told it was, So if you if you think about it, every time you're in danger, you cripple forward. Uh, also on a yeah. on a roller coaster, everything like that, your body naturally cocoons in. So everything's based on the stomach area. Mm. Now, in yoga, you'll notice every yoga move is literally to do with bending and bending mm. and going back, bending and going back. Everything amplifies to the stomach. Even all the breathing work that we do, all the breath work, it's all to do with the stomach. Uh, 
Mm. Uh, a lot of this, uh, a lot of this theory goes into saying there's a powerhouse where the stomach is. If that, if that gets altered, what what happens is your body starts sending power to certain areas, uh, and it causes a, a balance shift. So anxiety, if you're worried about certain certain situations, uh, your legs start getting a bit wobbly because there's too much power going there. Because you're you're getting ready to run. Yep, yep. So in in that situation, you could carry on running for a good hundred miles, like uh, Forrest Gump type of situation. Right. And you won't even get tired because there's that much power in you. It could just send it to that area. But now, if the mind has made up a situation, oh, that situation isn't even there. Your body's getting ready for it, but it also it takes that energy from elsewhere. It could take it from your thinking. It can oh, take yeah. it from your digestive system, and uh, it sent that power elsewhere. So this is the whole anxiety topic. Mm. Now, uh, essentially, if you uh, get anxiety and you're not you're thinking too much, maybe whilst you're eating, you might just overeat, or you might, uh, and it could uh, that could lead to a whole dietary issue that comes forward, and then uh, because you don't like the taste of your food, you start going for tastier, snacky food. That type of thing. There's there's that external, and then on internal, yeah, anxiety. It's uh, it makes everything tight, it makes all your muscles tight. So naturally, constipation, also back back issues. And uh, in in yoga, again, uh, just example. It could be, to be honest, anything, even boxing. Uh, after you've done your exercise, uh, how how much more freer do you feel mentally? As, yeah. Uh, uh, technically, you've only moved your body. You haven't even sorted out a life situation yet. You've just right. done something physically, and you feel that much more relaxed. Well, and they say that I, I think it's true that uh, that stretching, the extreme stretching of your muscles, releases toxins uh, from your muscles and joints. Also, and it sure seems like put, it. put that on the reverse. How did they get there in the first place? <laughs> ah, that's that's true. It, well, I think that's people us. that people that go work on building sites. They they go work in maybe warehouses. Where where's the tension coming from? Because they they're, they're still physically moving all day. How's the toxins? How's all of that getting into their muscles that they still need to go for a massage after? Well, are you suggesting that it's from us feeding our anxiety? It's uh, whether it's food or alcohol or drugs or whatever. There's a uh, oh there. Now you've opened me up to more options. <laughs> to <be honest. laughs> I, right. I was literally just going to say it was our mind. Our ah. mind and muscle connection is... Anyone that works out at the gym, they'll tell you the mind and muscle connection. But if your mind is always stressing, your muscles are just in reactive phase. So they're getting ready just for pain. So they tighten up all the time. Isn't that the so parasympathetic nervous system? I think... You know, you, uh, versus that's... This uh, yeah, that's what we activate when we start working out. We start getting uh, okay. the nervous system going, getting, getting ready to brace ourselves. Uh, it's, uh, to be honest, like I said, it's uh, people. We've started making our day, just each part of our day, a little bit harder, a little bit harder, a little yep. bit more open to pain, a little bit more open to pain. It all has to go somewhere, so it goes inside of us. We, we've seen this when people get angry. Where's all that anger coming from? Was it really just because one person sweared at them? Or... Was it all of that build-up from the past, just building, 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 all coming out in one go? Mm, I see, I see. Yeah, uh, I definitely, 
I definitely have that problem. Like, I, I do have the – this is embarrassing to say, but I've said it on the podcast before. I have that road rage problem where I'm in the car and um, just so angry about everybody driving, like, you know, really poorly. Oh, that is uh, – so, uh, like I said, I was, uh, I was an angry I was an angry kid. Well, young, young I still struggle with it. I still uh, struggle with it. But you overcame that, huh? I, I got lucky. I had a I had a yogi. Uh, I made yeah. a video about him as well. The most inspirational person I've ever met in my life. He was 86 years old when he left this world. He was around 80, 83, 84 when I was with him. He was uh, he was most powerful individual I've ever known. He's just so disciplined, happy, comedian, and uh, uh, he put me into a state of meditation. That from from that time I've never. I can remember that very clearly. I was in the happiest state I've ever been. Uh, in the West, it'll be something like doing drugs or something, but this mm. one was just natural meditation state. And since then, I've never been able to get angry. So I'll be in the car. My wife would be like, why didn't you horn at that person? I'm just like, ah, oh, minor. That type of thing. And That's wonderful, man. That's uh, wonderful. Yeah, state of tranquility. So ever since, uh, just been, been living the tranquil, tranquil life. Even my wife, she... Uh, no matter how much she wants to annoy me, she's like, uh, she just thinks I don't care. <laughs> thinks uh-huh. I don't get angry. That was a uh-huh. yeah, right. different, different Let me type ask of issue. You made me think of this. What do you think about the role <laughs> of psilocybin or DMTs, psycho hallucinogens, in uh, mental health? There's a lot oh. of studies going on now. A lot of interest. Uh, so, uh, it's, it's interesting, but it uh, depends how much you want to believe what, I want to, what I'm going to say. It's. Uh, we like to think, uh, so us, uh, us guys in India, the yogis, we like to think they invented half of this stuff. Yeah. So uh, in the Himalayas, you still see these, uh, these yogis, they, they don't have anything, but they, they smoke quite a lot of high-end drugs type of thing. They, they could just make themselves. So it comes, in, it comes in our scriptures as well, all these chemicals. Mm. Uh, fair enough, they want to be in the advanced state that they're in now. But a lot of the oils, a lot of the, a lot of the stuff they smoke, it all used to help them go into a deeper state of meditation, because they were able to control it. So right. they used to treat it as a medicine, essentially. So this has been going on uh, in our books for loads and loads of years now. Thousands of uh, years, yes. Exactly, right. and then uh, the whole concept of alcohol. Fair enough, uh, it just became a, whenever it became a big trend. But essentially, uh, what yogis say about it, it was actually used as a medicine, or it was used for specific purposes. Mm. So, if you back in the days, if you were going to go to an operation or something, or if you were going to, uh, there was no anesthetic, maybe. So they'll they'll get you it's super like, drunk. Like Eighteen sixty-eight <laughs> or sixty-seven, when the first anesthetic was developed. Fair I enough, watched. Yeah. This, I heard a special on that, and uh, it was eye-opening. I never thought about it, <clears throat> but boy, they started describing what hospitals were like prior to that exactly. first anesthetic. Yeah. And three big guys would hold you down while surgeries oh, being performed. So like oh. I said, yeah, it's uh, uh, the West and East. Two big different debates. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, we, we, even even right now, I've I've had plenty of examples in my life. I've tried all the medicine that I can in London. I couldn't get this issue fixed. I go to India, five days of having some sort of herbs, and I'm sorted. It was it's literally it's it's a whole different it's a whole different take on medicine. It's a whole different take yeah. on mental health. It's uh, is like I said, there's all these differences. If we 
if we manage to start accepting other people's theories, somewhere in the middle, we would find a nice line of education yep. that could help everyone. Totally agree with that. Darshan, I think that's a pretty good place for us to wrap up. Uh, yeah. It was a struggle to get this much out. I can't wait to see what uh, <laughs> what this actually produces because we're using Riverside Platform, which I've never used before, but we couldn't get connected otherwise. How about where can people find out more about you? Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, Deep Psych, uh, D-E-E-P, uh, P-S-Y-C, uh, Instagram. Uh, YouTube uh, and uh, Facebook essentially so uh, on that side of things uh, hopefully I do start doing events soon uh, that's uh, fingers crossed if we're ready for them again oh yeah and uh, I'm due to go out in India in April so that's my next India trip so hopefully uh, charge up on a bit more bit more uh, connect with my roots a bit more uh, that's great I'll invite you to come out there as well one day let me, let me know when you're to. planning a trip I'll I'll pop out even if you do Nepal uh, instead of India just do the Himalayas only that type of thing I, w- I really hope to take you up on that invite I really oh yeah do. it's uh, and if, if you are in London uh, yeah we we'll sit and uh, uh, meditate together I've got a perfect place we go there 6am every morning uh, just sit there there was on one of your videos and I'm going to encourage everybody to go to your site and look at those videos <laughs> but in one of them you described uh, the Himalayas and it's beautiful back there you're, you're standing at the precipice of the mountains and you're like all I can hear is barely the uh, river running down below. And, uh, yeah, it kind of took me there a little bit. Have, uh, are, you, are you more of a, let's say if you were to go on holiday, would you go to a sea or beach? beach. Fair enough, you're the beach we, set. We've been, uh, Lisa and I, my partner and I, have been trying to get back to uh, uh, Italy. She's Sicilian. And we went there in 2010. And like I said, I've been to Spain. I've been to Greece. Wow, Italy. We, and we did almost all coastal. coastal. We didn't do the typical tourist cities. Yeah, yeah, and we went yeah. straight to Sarasota. Then, you know, there's Islands Ischia and Capri there. And we went 40 de Marmi to um, uh, uh, the, um, Cinque Terre. Fair and then enough. we did finally do uh, Florence. But... She's Sicilian, and she's never been to Sicily, so we're trying to get back there. It's such uh, a beautiful I'm, uh, place. And I'm, I'm, I'm all about that. I, I always ask this to everyone. It's, uh, you start finding out what type of vibe you're more into. So I'm more, if I were to go to America, I would go to the, uh, I believe there's a red forest trees. I believe there's a place California. where you can see blue whales, uh, all of that type of stuff, uh, instead of the New York uh, type right. of city. Right. If I was to go India, it would be forest, mountains, forest, mountains, that type of thing. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, I don't know, it's uh, cities, maybe maybe when, when my kids take me one day in a crazy number of years, but till yeah. then, just explore as many mountains and, and trees as possible. I totally agree. It's just like, uh, you know, we go to Sarasota, Florida every year to see Lisa's mom, and Man, I jog on the beach and walk along the beach a lot. And there's the mountains. Well, it's the same with that beautiful ocean. When you just, it just makes, it puts you in perspective of how much greater nature is. Than have, you, have you seen the Will Smith uh, show on uh, Disney Plus? I don't think so. What is it called? I think uh, uh, the world Earth or the planet Earth, uh, something like that, is, it's got the word Earth in it. I believe, but it's uh, to be honest, it's the best show I've ever seen. Uh, really? Is, uh, is, is it the best new? show? Uh, probably a year, been a year. Huh. But it's uh, 
Uh, he does it on the five senses, how the, the world and the five senses interact. Now, uh, I was, I've, I've already experienced the mountain side of things, but yeah. fair enough, I've got, the, I've got the ocean side of things, he done volcanoes, uh, sure. he went with someone that was blind as well. So the blind person, he was telling Will Smith his experiences, and Will Smith was like, I can't experience it to the level that you're experiencing it, to the blind mm. person. It's, uh, it's, it's those type of things. It's our experience of the world. Uh, how how much more willing are we to expand it, expand it, expand it? Right. Uh, in my head, it's okay when I'm when I'm over fifty and I'm retired, that type of thing. Then I'll go. But yeah. it's uh, it's a bit of a it's a catch twenty two essentially. So no, I think that's very interesting. I I could get down a rabbit hole of what are UFOs at that point because are we just it's when we just got this new upgrade in radar technology a few years back. Oh, all of a sudden we're seeing these UFOs every day. And I don't know how much you know about that stuff, but there's these, you know, between the Air Force and commercial airliners and all that, they're seeing these spheres with cubes inside of them zipping around in the air every place up there. And I think most of it, a lot of it's due to just a, a heightened perception via artificial radar. And Fair enough. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it's like uh, a that whole concept of uh, uh, pushing your boundaries to experience more, pushing your boundaries to experience yeah. more, that type of thing. We've got Elon Musk. He's doing his his version of it. On our level, are we doing our version of it? So, mm -hmm. uh, so even when I was in Himalayas, uh, I saw a stone that was floating. I could just people there just think it's normal. It's just a stone that floats. You just mm. push it around the water. Uh, but people coming from UK were thinking, oh damn, this stone, this, this stone is floating. And then uh, there's a there's a fire, there's a flame, it's two inches big. It's just always on, even in winter, it's just on. Hmm. Uh, just comes out of the mountain. There's nat natural gas supply just coming out of the mountain, just always on. There's like snow all over it, even if snow comes on top of it, just always on. Now, <laughs> over there, the locals, it's just normal to them. <laughs> so, right, right, right. It's uh, to us, it's like, hey, this, this frame is just on all the time. And then uh, there's one guy, he was carrying a 100 kg bag of wheat on his shoulder. A 100 kg bag. He doesn't look strong, he just carry on walking, he just walks wherever he needs to get to. And that's a 100 kg. We're thinking, hey, that's a that's 100. Everyone there, just normal. Just little things, just normal to them. I <laughs> well, see what uh, you're saying. Like I said, it's when I was like out there. It's 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 like it's uh, it's kind of well known that there is an Olympic sprinter back in the 1940s or something. Like the, there was a certain threshold that nobody could ever beat, and then when this one guy beat that, everybody else started beating it. Fair because enough, it's something weird about that. It made me think that what's uh, why is my my why is my version of normal so yeah. so boxed in essentially? So All right. Uh, We've we've heard about it. If someone's able to read a certain amount of books in a certain amount of time, they'll get a Guinness World Record right now. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. when I was in India, I was seeing people reading a lot of stuff and absorbing it, being able to be quizzed on it in shuts in a short space of time. And I'm thinking this is normal to these people. If this was in London, this this would need to go on TV and be on YouTube and stuff. <laughs> that right. So it's a. Uh, it's probably the same thing in the Shaolin monks or the Buddhist monks. The, the, what they what they could do with their brain waves and mm -hmm. what they could do with their body, all right. of this stuff is not exposed to us. But over there, it's, it's just common knowledge. 
it's, uh, it's but that's yeah, the nice sitting. thing about how interconnected we are is we're talking about it other people will listen to this and, and hear about it and talk about it you know hopefully we do we do start getting the best of our different societies and uh, uh-huh. extrapolating that you know yeah, exactly and then uh, yeah this is uh, this is the mission uh, make life easier for people instead of they've got in the habit of making it hard for themselves so it's my funny. job as a psychologist just just get the mind in such a way that their, their life is a lot easier to live if I've helped someone live their life a lot easier uh, instead of me giving them strength I've actually helped them make their life a lot easier so I feel that that's my route essentially oh sure yeah, the, the thing is, it's kind of like we are promised that technology was going to make our lives so much easier because it was going to automate so much <laughs> in so many ways. It made it so much more complicated. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, I, had, uh, I was talking to someone that's 100 years old. He yeah. said, uh, when we used to do stuff, when we used to buy a house or whatever it was, we never knew how to sign our name on paper. So we used to push our thumb. Oh. So they were, they were called thumb presses. So... That was a title that for the uneducated back then. Mm. So he said oh, right. that was that was us when I was ten. Now look at all of you guys when you're ten. How do you wash your clothes? You push a button. Yeah. How yeah. do you how do you heat your food up? You push a button. How do you count? You push a button. What do you Very use? True. Your thumb. So he was like, yeah. you guys become thumb pressers as well. Uh-huh. So you guys don't. We, we don't know how to do anything for ourselves. We just know how to That's, push our thumb. That is true. And now oh. we got, now we got, everyone's got that phone in their pocket, and it's all oh, doing yeah, just pressing that thumb. Pressing yeah. that thumb. So back then, they were buying houses, they were building businesses, they were doing it all just right. by pushing thumb. Same thing we're doing now. Wow. All right. On that note, <laughs> Darshan's been so much fun. Thank you for your patience right. and our technical difficulties in getting over that. Really appreciate it. And I hope we can do it again sometime. Oh, perfect. Yeah, anytime. Yeah, it'll be right. great. Great hearing from you, Barry. All right. Uh-